Welcome to Talk World Radio, a half-hour discussion of politics as if the people mattered. I'm David Swanson. This week on Talk World Radio, we're discussing Historians on Call with Margaret Power, who is co-chair of Historians for Peace and Democracy. You can see historiansforpeace.org. She is a professor of history emeritus from the Illinois Institute of Technology. She is the author or co-editor of seven books, including Right Wing Women in Chile, Feminine Power and the Struggle Against Allende, 1964 to 1973, and Solidarity Across the Americas, the Puerto Rican Nationalist Party and Anti-Imperialism. Margaret Power, welcome to Talk World Radio. I am so happy to be here. Let me let me uh, make sure I get your name correct. Margaret Power, welcome <laughs> yeah, to Talk World it. Radio. Uh, what, what is Historians on Call? Historians on Call is an organization that Historians for Peace and Democracy started in conjunction with the Zen Educational Project. It's a new organization. We're basically just launching ourselves. And the goal of the organization is to mobilize professors, history professors on the college or university level to work with social studies or history teachers in the in the high school and junior junior uh high school and middle school levels through the zen educational project so to step back for one second i think as we all know there has been a massive attack on the educational system in this country on many different levels one ramification that we're particularly involved with is the attempt to to censor the curriculum, to basically not allow the teaching of multiple subjects or what we would consider an accurate view of history, particularly on issues that affect the LGBT community and issues about race and issues about imperialism. And say, for example, just since January, 2021, 42 states in the country have introduced bills to try and restrict or control or eliminate what has been or what is being taught to the high school and junior high school students in this country. As a result of this, a lot of principals and a lot of teachers feel themselves under direct attack on multiple levels, not from their students particularly, no not from their students at all, but from school boards and from some community members and from different um, conservative right-wing organizations that are attempting to basically teach or have taught a false view of what U.S. history is all about. So what we want to do is mobilize college-level and university level professors who so far are in a relatively safer, more secure position. And because we have that PhD after our name, it often give us, gives us a certain level of, oh, well, they must be, they must know what they're talking about, they're professionals, which hopefully is true. And sort of to sort of work with high school teachers to um, counter the attacks that have, they've been subjected to. That's sort of a perhaps lengthy introduction, but there it is. 
and, and <laughs> so and so historians who work on issues of peace and and war and imperialism uh, through historians for peace would be part of this uh as regards those topics exactly but it could be any any historian so depending on what your expertise is then i'll i'll just give you one example of how it's worked we've so far had one example and um the under governor lump uh Youngkin in virginia this is this has taken place just in november for two years previously the state of virginia has been working very hard and transparently open to the public to come up with a set of standards for their their high school students these standards were put out in july 2022 Youngkin then's committee then revised the um the standards and put out his standards and his standards or the committee standards basically reflect his political perspective on what should and what should not be taught. So a group of Asian American citizens, a citizen, a community organization of Asian Americans contacted the Zen Educational Project project. Zen Educational Project then contacted us. We put out a call to our membership, but especially to our membership um, in the state of Virginia. One person, thank you very much, stood, stepped forward, reviewed both of all the standards, and then issued a report as to what were the problems in, this, in the standards that Youngkin had had um, introduced. And then that was then conveyed back through the educational project to the community group that originally contacted them. And, and what were some examples or the general theme or the types? I mean, we're not talking about spelling mistakes and getting no. a number wrong, right? What kind of errors were introduced? For example, since the first part of the report looks especially at what was said or <laughs> no, it was not said about Asian Americans. So there was little, very little said about Hawaii, how Hawaii came to be part of the United States, what happened to the original Hawaiian population. There was very little said, ironically, about the Korean War. So basically things that are talking about, say, the Chinese Exclu Exclusion Acts, they weren't there. So there, basically there just wasn't much about Asian hi history, let alone Asian American history. Um, these are things that were in the original so standards these, and that yes. were removed it, by the governor's committee. I'm not sure if they were removed. They, they were not in this one. But I think what the person who wrote the report actually went further than asked and not only looked at what was removed, what was not there, but said this is what should be in the report. Right. Then um, I did not read I, the report the initial standards, I'm just going on what the report of this professor. So <clears throat> let me say, <clears throat> sorry, I'm just getting over a bit of a cough. Mm. Let's see, Columbus and the other Europeans who came over to uh, the Americas were described as entrepreneurs and <laughs> it's like what and and they were um their endeavors which some would consider more on the genocidal scale of things were looked upon as 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 in as as i said entrepreneurs they described the standards these are all the new standards i'm talking about described um the original 
signers of the Declaration of Independence as people who were attempting to build a Christian nation, which of course was not there. They were many of them were deists. They weren't even didn't, didn't even describe themselves as Christians. So you just go down the line. It's basically the um, I would say a, a conservative vision of what the United States is should look like always has looked like etc it's a rewriting of history and a, a an attempt to eliminate both accuracy but a lot of the progress that has been made in understanding the complications of what u.s history is all about so this is sounds like a project for historians on call where you're helping to address a, a state level governmental initiative uh, as opposed to providing resources and materials and guidance for a particular teacher in a classroom. Um, yes. Is, is that also sort of the vision of what's what's going to be provided or? Yeah, I mean, I think I think we are pretty open so far. Um, we I we being historians on call have put out a call to our membership. How many of you would like to be on call for this? And I wouldn't say tons, maybe 55 to 60 people have signed up, but still 55 to 60 people. Okay. We're saying we're ready to go. And they're scattered throughout the United States, which is very helpful. There's, I think maybe there's not somebody in every state and some states, the maximum any state has is four. So it, it's a fairly good represent, representation of it. And what we're asking people to do is basically to be flexible and to respond based on the needs of the, the in this case, it wasn't even a high school teacher or a principal, but it was a community group that was very concerned. But so for example, we would be asked to go to possibly speak at a school board meeting, which I think would be very helpful write editorials in local newspapers, make contacts with, with the principals or the high school, um, different, especially high school teachers as a sideline, but not exactly. Recently, a RAND study put out said that 48%, at least 48% of principals and at least 42% of um, high school teachers have felt very direct pressure coming from outside, not from inside the schools. It's always coming from outside the schools to to curtail or to tailor what they teach to fit the wishes of the um, uh, those who are leading the attacks sort of on a more conservative agenda and a more conservative vision of what history is in this country. Yeah, and, and Historians for Peace, uh, we're speaking with Margaret Power of Historians for Peace about Historians on And Call. Democracy. I'm sorry? <laughs> historians for Peace and Democracy. Oh, yes, we should keep that word, which others <laughs> have do. claimed as a, as a word for justifying wars. <laughs> uh, historians for Peace and Democracy uh, and uh, about Historians on Call, which is a project uh, together with the, the Zinn Education uh, foundation. Um, Margaret, Historians for Peace on your website has a great many teaching resources mm -hmm. uh, that can be provided to teachers or that anyone can go and, yes. and read right now uh, right. at historiansforpeace.org. Um, is that the, are, are those resources the basis for what uh, you recommend be taught as opposed to, you know, Columbus was a great entrepreneur and so forth? Well, 
I think you're referring to the broad sites. Is that so? What what we did is that the broad sites. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm not, but there there's. Oh, you're right. There are there are many beyond that. Um, the, we think we have a lot of resources. Um, the broad sites that I brought up because I thought that's what you meant. Sorry. Um, we've put together these short, quite readable, short meaning two to three, possibly four pages, but written in very accessible language on key topics um, that we thought would be helpful for somebody who's preparing a class to say, here's here's something that you can just look at. It's available, it's free, it's downloadable. Um, I would say as we progressed, the uh, graphics and the layout improved a bit. So they're not all as aesthetically gorgeous as perhaps we would like them to be, but they're all, the content is all really good. And along these same lines, one thing that we are doing and we're debuting in somewhere early to mid, possibly late, you never know, things sometimes take longer, um, is something called the Culture, Culture Wars Archive in which we have curated a lot of the materials, since there's a plethora, an overabundance of articles and materials that are coming out about the current current um, iteration of the culture wars. And so we have, have divided into a whole different sections that someone can go in and say, oh, actually, I want to find exactly ways that teachers have been attacked. I want to find out ways, I want to see what the different state legislators state legislation is. I want to see how attacks have been made on issues about labor, on issues about race. And we're going to have this online, again, accessible for anybody. So what we're, we're trying to do, we're trying to use what we have, our, our research abilities and our particular areas of expertise to contribute to other people, both who are in right the front lines confronting this, but as well as the general public who's interested. There, there is actually a great deal of information and resources on your website, uh, mm -hmm. some of it much longer, more substantive than the broadsides. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm wondering how your materials are produced, how you assure the accuracy of what you produce and what you say to someone who says, Historians for Peace, this is a group that was started to oppose a war in 2003. How could people who got together to oppose this horrible, fraudulent, misguided, criminal, genocidal war possibly be proper and, and appropriate uh, historians. <laughs> uh, what, what do you say to that? I'd say um, there's a myth that exists in the world that there's something called objective history. And I think that history is always based on interpretation which doesn't mean anything goes. And your interpretation is just as important as my interpretation. So I think that historians both recognize the fact that, that, that who is looking at the material also affects how we understand the material. So that's a more on, on the more general level, on the specific level. What we do is that say every broadside that goes up is then checked First of all, we've we requested the the um, broadsides. I'm just speaking about the broadsides right now because I think for many people it's they're more tangible. So, for example, I don't know if you're familiar with Ellen Schrecker. Ellen Schrecker is probably the foremost authority on McCarthyism in in this country. So, 
she's a member of the organization and we asked her to write uh, um, an article about about McCarthyism and repression. Linda Gordon, who's also one of an incredibly respected professor who recently published a book on the Ku Klux Klan, we asked her to write a, one on the Ku Klux Klan. I wrote one about Puerto Rico. And we have other people check them, read through them to make sure they're they're um, reliable and accurate. So in a sense, um, are, are we people without a political opinion? No, because we do oppose war and we do support democracy. And those are not neutral terms exactly. And those are not um, absent. Uh, they're not apolitical terms either. They're terms that are very heavily loaded. So it, it depends, of course, there are many people say they support democracy. And of course, they have different interpretations of it. And I think part of what a historian is should do, and especially, especially what a teacher should do, is expose the students to the multiple understandings and interpretations and not say, this is the one way, but say, here's what some people thought, here's what other people thought, and let the student decide for themselves. To me, that's what education is about, not sort of saying, here it is, tied up with a nice, nice little bow, you, you just need to memorize it. What we want students to do is to be able to think as a, so I know it's a cliche, but it's true, but to think critically, to sort of not to think, I'm some passive vessel into which information will be poured, but to think, I'm actively involved. So I think part of teaching is not just learning information, but it's also, say, my classes, I always emphasize discussion and always emphasize, hey, somebody may have a different opinion than you do, but why not hear it and think, make, see what you think about it? To me, that's what learning is all about, the excitement of hearing new ideas. Good, good answer. Um, and you're looking for more historians who might want to get involved? They can, people can contact you? Yes, we, we are, because there's so much work to do. And I would say, um, I know, just as there's pressure on high school students, on on principals, the job market, meaning the jobs out there and available for people who want to become prof professors is really, really, really tough because there's a crisis of higher education as well. And we're not STEM, we're liberal arts. And so much money is going into the STEM, science, technology, engineering, and Mathematics. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot the STEM. <laughs> Sorry, IIT. Okay, I teach at a time at a technical school. Anyway, um, so much money is going into them that we're really hard pressed. And what that means is, I think a lot of people who become professors feel, oh, it's such a competitive world. I've got. I. I. I really agree with you but I have to write that paper. I have to publish that book. I have to publish that article. I have to network with this person. I have to speak at that conference. There's all, there's all this pressure on people as well on the higher level, not to spend time um, doing so, sort of what, in a sense, you could be, be viewed as a professional commitment to us and to future generations and to high school high school teachers who really are having a tough time. Some of them have been received death threats, have had to been forced to resign because they don't teach exactly what somebody thinks they should be teaching. 
Margaret, I, I don't know if you saw uh, in the past week or two in the New York Times, they finally caught up with what others have been saying for years. Uh, and that is that the, the JROTC, the Junior yes. Reserve Officer Training Corps, is forcing students into <laughs> what was supposedly an elective course in which they teach not just how to shoot guns, but history with yes. books that aren't put through whatever the minimal standards are. Maybe you can tell us that normally history books are put through so that they're teaching actual old, you know, Gulf of Tonkin lies, could have won in Vietnam if they'd been allowed to take the gloves mm -hmm. off and this sort of nonsense. What, how do you address that sort of extreme? I hope that's the extreme end of the spectrum. Uh, and, uh, right. and where are we with the, with the quality of books outside of the, with the, in the actual history classes that aren't part of a military recruitment program? I did read that article. I was I was appalled. I also thought, hmm, I wonder what the people who are talking about um, teachers indoctr indoctrinating students will actually be taking up this issue. And then I thought, of course they won't. <laughs> there was no doubt about that. I mean, to me, to to just to give a little background, how how, for example, to write, say the latest book that I'm I I I'm that I wrote and it's being published. Okay, I'm not a speedy writer. So it, I put it out. It went out to two experts in the field and they gave me feedback. I don't, it's all anonymous. So I had no clue who they were. I really, I really had no clue. Then I can, then I spent the next six months either correcting mistakes, putting in things they didn't, that I had not thought about, new ideas. I was sent it back in, then it was sent back out, and they gave me the feedback again. It's a very, it's very rigorous. It's sort of this whole peer review, meaning that people who are your peers who are experts have to review you, what you write before it goes out. That's sort of for an, a, an academic publication. And it means we don't often have this kind of fast turnaround. And the, a lot of the other issue that's really problematic is that textbook companies often write to the Texas state market because Texas is, along with California, the single largest purchaser of textbooks. So if you have, as we do, boards of education in Texas who are saying, no, you cannot teach about LGBT history. You cannot, for example, teach about um, the what really happened at the Alamo. You cannot teach about the fact that the the settlers who poured into Texas actually promised the Mexican government that they would never secede, they would convert to Catholicism, and of course they never did, and that there was basically a war of aggression against Mexico. That cannot be taught. Well, if it can't be taught in Texas, then it's not going to be taught in a lot of places because that's who's going to, they're going to set the standards through their economic purchasing power for textbooks throughout the rest of the country. So there are all these different ways that pressure is exerted on all the different levels from publishing companies to principals to teachers to toe the line. And that's what we're trying to do. We're saying you don't have to toe the line. We want you to actually be able to explore and initiate and try and see what it is that, you know, you, we're not saying you have to teach this. Oh, no. We're saying the problem is saying that you can't teach something. Yes. I mean, I actually, I would say, I, for example, you know, the whole idea that 
um, in Florida, a law was passed or in Texas that if you teach one thing, then you have to give the other side. So that if you teach about the Holocaust, of course, you can say it's bad, it's evil, it was genocidal, but you have to teach the other side. To which you say, what is the other side about the Holocaust? That's just one example. And you can just go down the line. That's just sort of the more, I think, example that hopefully many people would say, there is no other side to that. But I think you go down, I, I believe there are multiple sides, not about the Holocaust. I, I, that one I will not budge on. But I think, um, I think on many things you say, that I think we all have to ask ourselves, are you really the same person with the same ideas today as you were five years, 10 years, 20 years ago? Of course not. Well, I hope not. I'm certainly not. So why wouldn't you want to hear new ideas? And, and so is part of the solution, given the economics of textbooks, to help teachers and professors uh, to teach from sources outside of the standard textbook? Exactly. Exactly. But that's why there's standard textbook, but also there's, that's why there's such a battle going back to what I opened with about Virginia, state setting standards for what needs to be taught. That's also very important because if you are supposed to teach to the state standards and then you have the state tests and students are flunking because they didn't teach to those standards, then parents are going to freak out and basically teachers are ultimately in the, in the crossfires. Um, so I, I just think on all these different levels, it's very, I think it's very, 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 very difficult to be a, a teacher in the country today. It's not, it's about money, yes, but it's also so much about pressure and the lack of respect I think so many teachers get, especially with the anti-vaccine and the masking attacks uh, that students, I know a number of, of professor, teach high school teachers in um, Kansas, for example, which was an anti-vaccine, anti-masking um, state, a mother literally would call every day and demand to speak to the teacher and say, does my child have a mask on? And she did not want her child to have the mask on, but the school said, yes, you should have the mask on. So it was just so much pressure. And it, didn't, it wasn't just asking, threats, threats were issued against that poor teacher. I think these are teachers. So what can what can someone do in their state and in their school, whether they're a teacher or just someone uh, who lives in the community uh, about the, the, the trends that are happening in state standards and state textbooks, as well as uh, to assist in the work that you're doing, Margaret Power with uh, with historians on call for peace and oh, historians on call, okay, <laughs> and historians for peace and democracy. Yeah, I think number one is to be informed. I mean, I think we're as as members of the society, we have a responsibility to to each other, and and certainly our children's education is so important. Not just that they're safe in school, which is really very, I mean, kids are so traumatized today. So on, on some level, I think not just that they're safe, but actually that they have an environment in which they feel intellectually safe as well, physically safe, emotionally safe, intellectually safe, because we want kids to blossom. So I think whether you have kids or grandkids or nieces or nephews, whether you have anyone, you live someplace where there is a school. So why don't you find out what's going on in that school? And then maybe 
get involved, go to a school board meeting. And if you're so inclined, write an editorial or a commentary or a letter to, to your local newspaper, contact us, Historians for Peace and Democracy, and we will certainly be glad to put you in touch with other people in your community or in your state or, or wherever, hopefully, if there are people that perhaps you can work with, because sometimes it's hard to do things by yourself. It's nice to have other people to work with. We have been speaking with Margaret Power, who is co-chair of Historians for Peace and Democracy. The website is historiansforpeace.org. Margaret, thank you for everything you're doing and for coming on Talk World Radio. Thank you so much for having me. Actually, it's been really fun. I thought, oh, I won't have enough to say. And there, I guess I kind of have the gift of the gab a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. This is Talk World Radio. I'm David Swanson. Take action at rootsaction.org. Help end war at worldbeyondwar.org. Read or listen to today's Peace Almanac entry at peacealmanac.org. All past shows can be heard at talkworldradio.org. Talk World Radio is produced in Charlottesville, Virginia, and syndicated by Pacifica Network. There is no way to peace. Peace is the way.